Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Private Citizen, your weekly data privacy podcast. This is episode 41 for Wednesday, the 7th of October, 2020. The Great Privacy Reset. Hello, everybody. I'm Fab, your host, coming to you live from Düsseldorf in the heart of North Rhine-Westphalia from my new studio here, just just behind the... Uh, uh, the, the courthouse actually <laughs> and I'm recording this uh, episode uh, once again um, and streaming it live on Twitch while I do it because that was fun last time seemed to work great and um, so I might do this more often from now on what are we going to talk about today? we're going to talk about um, the UK um, COVID app that's been released while I was um, uh, yeah, moving and all this kind of stuff. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the uh, some developments in Germany that have been happening, um, some, some stuff that's been worrying me. And then we're going to talk about something you probably heard about, the Great Reset. And uh, it kind of pertains to stuff I talked about earlier on this show and previous episodes, you know, the new normal and all the changes we have to accept now and what's coming and, you know, kind of trends I'm seeing that are worrying me to, together with all these coronavirus stuff and the numbers. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about um, some feedback from you, the producers, as well, um, which I always say um, I encourage, please um, go to the show notes are at private citizen dot press um i'm just checking that that that's actually the website i always i always do that <laughs> um yeah uh it is um <laughs> and now now and i get lost uh now get lost on the internet no um yes please do that please go to private press um there's all all the show notes are on there um you know all the all the sources uh, that I use, uh, so that you can you can look at the show yourself, and then you look at all the stuff I talk about in the show yourself, and you know f- form your own opinion because that's that's one of the uh, one of the things I want to do with this show. I don't want you to take what I say for granted. I want you to think for yourself and then have a dialogue with me, and and in that way become a producer on the show. But before we get into um, the topics I want to talk about today, um, there's some housekeeping I have to take care of because the the first um, the first issue here at hand is that I did some um, housekeeping on the actual podcast feed. Um, I changed some something in um, how the episodes are labeled. Um, but that that wasn't the big change. Um, a much bigger change was um, that I had some problems with the uh, chapters uh, in some episodes. So I'm, if if you're not aware, um, I'm using um, I'm putting chapter markers in these episodes. And if your um, if your podcatcher, your podcast clients supports this feature, this means you can jump um, right to. Um, you know, to the different uh, headings that you you can also see in in the show notes, and that um, that was broken. Some of that was broken, and I I, I had to fix it, and I had to 
re-encode um, some episodes and re-upload them and, and all of this stuff um, might have caused your podcatcher to um, show you double episodes. Certainly happened for some people who contacted me. Um, this is I did I did these changes I made to the feed um, all according to the podcast spec and generally um, uh, like the feed spec for for you know for these kind of feeds. And generally, your podcatcher, your podcast client should be able to deal with it. They, the way I did it, um, you, the software should be able to tell that um, I haven't actually changed the actual files and it should just replace the old episode. Like the, you know, it shouldn't list episode twice. Uh, but that happens. Um, you know, I've been podcasting since 2006. And in this time, I've, I've again and again made um, the experience that. Uh, podcasting clients are difficult when it comes to feed um, passing, which which is an irony, a bit of an irony in itself, but it's just the way it is. It's always been like this. And there's weird stuff going on. So if you have double episodes or anything in your feed, um, the way you can probably fix it is um, you can unsubscribe from the feed, delete all the episodes you have downloaded, then restart your client. So on a phone, you'd have to like kill the process however you do that in the operating system you know just for good measure and then resubscribe to the feed and then everything should work again um, as it should if that's not the case there's really nothing i can do i can only um you know deal with the feed as you're supposed to do and i have no control over how podcasting clients display the show and episodes beyond that so there's there's nothing i can do um if that doesn't fix it I'm, I'm sorry about that and then i've got some better news uh, some more positive news um i people have always asked me uh once in a while i always get questions people like oh what about merchandising don't you want to do merchandising for the show you know we could support the show that way i would really like people seem to like t-shirts and um i've always had these questions with other podcasts as well and it's always a bit, you know, it's a lot of work stuff, but, um, you know, especially sort out a store where people from all over the world, because I have listeners from all over the world, can can get the stuff they want to. Um, but I figured out, um, since I use Patreon anyway, um, you know, for people who want to support the show, um, Patreon has uh, a way of... Uh, of taking care of that they have they have a service that um basically uh you know i've you design merchandise and then um, you can you can specify a tier and uh patreon takes care of everything producing the merchandise shipping it all over the world and since it is that easy i thought why not as well do it so i designed a shirt i created a new premium tier on patreon it's a 30 dollar tier and the way this works is if you want this shirt which is of, of course completely optional sorry i'm just i'm just getting comfortable here with my microphone my mic boom is doing weird things it's been doing that all day it's a bit bugging me a little bit <laughs> um so if you want that shirt the way this works is you subscribe to the 30 dollar tier and you have to be subscribed for three months so you have to uh, you have to have pay for three billing periods and then uh, it should automatically uh, send you a shirt and if you just want a shirt and you don't want to keep supporting at $30 I'm completely okay with that obviously um, so what you can do is if you just want a shirt you can upgrade uh, your tier to the $30 tier just do that for three months and as soon as it sends you a shirt just downgrade to the old tier like whatever you're coming from 
$1, $2, $5, whatever. Uh, so I'm completely okay with that. This is completely optional. This is just for people who want it. And um, if nobody wants it, that's okay with me. I It was just easy for me to do. And I kind of like the shirt design I came up with. Uh, picture is in the show notes, privatecitizen.press. That is, of course, only a mock-up. Um, I will, I've gotten onto Patreon to send me a, um, a sample. Apparently, uh, they, can, they can send you samples. And if I get one, uh, obviously, I'm going to take some photos and show everybody what these, um, what these shirts look like in real life. Uh, because obviously, you know, maybe you, maybe you want to know that be, before you uh, <laughs> commit to spending that much money. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. And uh, with that, I think uh, that's that's all. That's all the housekeeping. Housekeeping, mint for pillow. It's an old uh, podcast inside joke there. So let's get let's get onto our first topic. So the first thing I want to talk about is the um, UK app. So the I've talked about um, contact tracing apps on this show in the past. Um, how they work. I've gone into uh, tremendous detail on how they work. Um, the tests that have been done on the German app specifically because it's pretty much the first one um, that used the Apple Google API. I've explained how that API worked, all of that. I don't want to go into that in great detail now. So if you if you haven't listened to that and you're interested, uh, go to privatecitizen.press. There's all the episodes are on there. There are always tags at the top and, you know, just look for the tag, uh, the contact tracing t- tag, tag. And, you know, select that and you will find older episodes and you can listen to those and, you know, get get yourself up to speed. So um, the UK, obviously, in the beginning uh, was first on the record. The government was saying we want a centralized app. And they started actually developing this app pretty early on. Um, but then, like, the global consensus kind of crystallized around pretty much around the time the German app started out as well. Um, you know, the German government at first or the health authority, the Robert Koch Institute also wanted a centralized app. Um, but then everything crystallized around the, this decentralized approach and Apple and Google rallied behind that and made that, you know, said we're going to do this API and made that part of it. And it kind of kind of quickly um, transpired that you have to use their API. Otherwise, you know, It'll just eat massive battery. It won't really, you know, um, collect data in the background. Then you have problems like that in Singapore and Australia. So the UK then went, um, switched and said, okay, we're going to switch gears here. We're going to go with that API. And so they had to kind of reboot their development, which is why it just took this long. Um, This app came out uh, about two weeks ago. And of course, users now use this Google uh, Apple API and uh, it does uh, it does all the, the the stuff the German app does. It has some um, some special features, some additional features. So the register says about this uh, app, the England and Wales app. So this is, by the way, um, apparently Scotland and Northern Ireland have their own apps. So this is this is only the England and Wales app. The England and Wales app also includes a system to let users check into venues with with the QR code. Plus, it hooked into UK government system. It 
It is hooked into UK government systems that define hotspots so that residents will be told if their postcode becomes a high-risk locale for the virus. Such warnings are accompanied by instructions. Um, and this is um, these additional features are interesting and they're also interesting from a privacy perspective because um, as I talked about um, when I talked about the German uh, app, the 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 Apple Google API is open source. It's been vetted. It's it's pretty clear that that's um, as far as we can tell um, benign from private from a privacy perspective. Um, there are some issues with um, the Google's implementation because. To do the the background stuff, um, the API uh, uses the Google Play Store services, and those have privacy issues. And those apparently do um, tell Google who you are, which is actually goes against the idea of this app in general, this decentralized system. Um, but aside from that problem, uh, the Google Apple API is pretty much. Um, Unproblematic. We know that we know that part is is is, is pretty solid. Um, now there's obviously um, this, these apps are basically um, two or three parts. There's this API, this which part of the operating system, and then there's the the front end, which is like the, the app the local health authority does, and then there's the backend server. Um, but like this, the actual front end is is what comes into focus with privacy problems. Um, because there's every you know every country has their own implementation. The the German um, one, the Robert Koch Institute, uh, or you know is SAP and you know developed for the Robert Koch Institute is relatively um, well vetted. There, it had some earlier issues who ha that have been um, solved, but it's been it's been looked at a lot. Now the as far as I can tell, the UK version of this app there there isn't so much documentation about on this. I don't think it's been vetted that well and it's it, it it isn't starting out um it's not very encouraging what the register writes here um, so this two weeks ago the nhs has published a privacy guide to the app however at the time of writing the article on duration of data retention produced the error the requested knowledge article is unavailable please contact your portal administrator and um that's the same. I checked that today, and it still says the same thing. So they don't tell you how long the data is being retained, which isn't helpful. And the the the, the danger here is that, of course, um, this implementation by the local health authority could violate your privacy and could um, could read out data. Right? That's supposed to be uh, supposed to be not getting back to anybody. Um, so there's 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 some questions about how well how well that is impl implemented and it you know it depends it depends on how good the programmers are with the google and apple api we, you know it's everybody can look at that that's being used everywhere um they they know what they're doing they're professional really good programmers from google and apple that did this um whereas you know by with your local health authority you don't really know um there are there are some some other issues with it. Um, I mean, the the register here says uh, says some things that um, 
actually I don't really agree with. So they talk about you know this 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 problem with the data retention, and then they say um, that may be the least of users' worries. Given that the UK yesterday, so it's two weeks ago, uh, reintroduced some restrictions on movement uh, after a recent surge in COVID-19 cases that, as recorded on the National Coronavirus Dashboard, have seen daily cases return to levels not seen since May. Folks are told to wear face coverings depending on the circumstances. Those who can work from home should do so, and businesses in the hospitality industry must close at 2200 local time and offer QR code check-ins. The government expects these measures will stay in place until March 2021, which is quite long. That's quite draconian. Ironically, these restrictions on movements may make the new, and this is now stuff I don't agree with, uh, ironically, these restrictions on movements may make the new app less effective. Other countries have pushed to have at least 60% of their population adopt the app, as that level of adoption means it records sufficient interactions to make a difference. But with fewer people out and about, the volume of data gathered by soft by the software declines. And this is um, this 60% number is... Uh, I mean, we so I don't we don't know uh, if we don't know what adoption is uh, sufficient to make a difference. We don't even know if these apps make a difference. That's the thing with the with the German app. We don't know that about the German app. Um, the sixty percent number is originally from this Oxford study, which in itself was just an educated guess. It's not very scientific. I would say we don't know uh, scientifically, objectively, we don't know. We don't even know if these apps work. Uh, we don't know what adoption you have to have for them to work. Um, this is all a shot into the blue. We don't we don't know if these apps work. And I've talked about this um, in early episodes. So I don't want to really go into this anymore. But I think it's a bit it's a bit shit from the registers to say um, that that level of adoption means it records sufficient interactions to make a difference. Um, I I have seen no data from any country that would suggest these apps make a difference. I mean, you can't even, there's not even correlation. You can't even say, well, look, that this is when the app started to gain traction. Um, and and here's when, when cases stagnated or declined. Like, even if you could say that, even if that was the case, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation. That wouldn't, wouldn't be very scientific to say the app makes a difference. But we can't even do that. There's There's no... You know, you look at the cases and you look at, in the case of the German app, we can tell how many reports of people, you know, how many um, tokens where people say, okay, I'm now positive. Um, and then you don't know how many people have said that they're positive, but we know how many positive um, events, like how many positive contacts have been reported and distributed to the system. And there's, there's absolutely no there's, there's no pattern you, you can discern. So as far as I'm aware, there's, there's absolutely no scientifically um, reliable data for this. We don't we we don't know if these apps make a difference. Um, meanwhile, basically on the same day when the app came out in the UK, the algorithm was immediately criticized. And this is the thing I talked about in the episode where I talked about the backend software, um, how the basically the API records all these like distance and we know that's not very scientific either. It's like Bluetooth and it estimates on all, all of these stuff, but it records like the 
signal attenuation and then tries to guess the distance, right? So we have like a distance indicator, we have a length of exposure indicator, and we have um, later on when somebody is has has put their test into the app, um, we know what date, like how far along in their illness they were, and then the the server, the health authority server side of the thing will use that data. All of this data comes from the API, but the API doesn't decide how, how, what to do with that. It just provides that data. And then the health authority server side um, will, will explain, like will, will interpret that data, right? We'll, we'll say, okay, we, we judge uh, in exposure this long at this distance um, to be that dangerous. And every health authority can implement that. I mean, it's, there's a spec in the in the API, but basically they can they can weigh that. They can decide their own thing. And um, the register says um, about the uh, the 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 NHS uh, version of this. Um, while the app uses Apple and Google's contact monitoring APIs. At its heart is a custom risk scoring algorithm designed to rank the risk of exposure. Sure, because that's you know part of the thing that the health authority implements. Alerts are sent based on the amount of time spent in close proximity with a confirmed COVID-19 coronavirus carrier. Being within two meters, about 6.5 feet, of a sufferer for five minutes is ranked at 300 points. If you're in medium proximity, defined as between two and four meters, 6.5 and 13 feet, the amount of points accumulated is halved to 150. In order for the app to issue an alert, the user needs to cross the threshold of 900 points. In practice, that means that you only need to be in close proximity with an infected person for 15 minutes to receive a warning. For those slightly further away, that's 30 minutes. It's not hard to imagine how you might cross that 900-point threshold, even at a medium distance. You could be on the same bus for half an hour, you could share a workplace, even one with social distancing in place and desks carefully spaced out. While you can understand why the app's algorithm would conceivably take, more, uh, take a more aggressive approach in isolating those potentially infected, it's inevitable that false positives will be an ongoing element of this app. And I think some of this works kind of like the German app, the 15 minutes and all that, but I think... I don't know if the German app is that sensitive when you are further away um, than two meters. Uh, but generally, it's kind of, you know, I mean, yes, that's an issue. But this is all, there's more underlying issues we talked about. Uh, there's the question of this Bluetooth, um, the, the, this, this, this Bluetooth measurement even like remotely uh, confirms all the virus spreads in real life. There's all these issues. They talk about being on a bus, you know, and we had this research, um, I think from the from Trinity College where they were talking about, you know, we, they did some tests on tram and on a bus and all the metal everywhere reflects everything. And basically the measurements were a die throw. Like you could, you could, um, so you had a 50-50 chance of um the uh the, the 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 two phones actually you know um seeing each other depending on where they were and you know actually recording a an exposure event and what they did is they had 
all the tests they ran, the phones were close enough. The, the, the API in 100% of the cases should have recorded an exposure event. And it did, did it in 50% of the cases. So, you know, instead of all this fancy Bluetooth stuff, they could have just thrown a die and it would have been as, as correct. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more underlying problems with these apps anyway. And then, you know, this mirrors, um, I'm just going into this whole thing shortly because for what I'm reading here and what I've read in other stories, everything that the UK is currently um, experiencing with the app mirrors what happened with the German app. So I feel like in this podcast, we are a month ahead of the curve. You've listened to all of this when I talked about the German app. So now it basically applies for the UK app as well. Um, there are, of course, other troubles we're running into, um, you know, with all this data collection. And um, there was another story in the UK uh, this week, uh, actually on Monday, um, to do with testing, where um, they actually had a very, very embarrassing Excel blunder. And I'm just going to read this out. This is from Ars Technica. Uh, quoting quoting the Guardian, but I'm just going to uh, read this excerpt here. Um, Public Health England admitted on Sunday that the agency has underreported COVID-19 infections by 15,841 cases in recent days due to a, quote, technical issue. The missing positive tests were conducted between September 25th and October the 2nd and have been added to national... Um, and have since been added to national statistics, the agency said. PHE was responsible for collating the test results from public and private labs and publishing the daily updates on case count and tests performed. In this case, The Guardian understands one lab had sent its daily test report to PHE in the form of a CSV file, the simplest possible database format, just a list of values separated by commas. That report was then loaded into Microsoft Excel and the new tests at the bottom were added to the main database. But while CSV files can be any size, Microsoft Excel files can only be 1,048,576 rows long. When a CSV file longer than that is opened, the bottom rows get cut off and are no longer displayed. That means that once the lab had performed more than a million tests, it was only a matter of time before its reports failed to be read by PHE. The agency says it will take precautions to make sure an error like this doesn't happen in the future. And I mean, this just shows... Uh, this, this, this is the kind of people and this is the kind of technical know-how that all of this is based on. All of this analysis, all of this cases, all of this policies. This is a house of cards that is just... Just got, it's just poised to 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 collapse. I feel. So that's that's what we have uh, from the UK. Let's move over to Germany. There's some um, some things that have changed that uh, since we last talked about, um, you know, coronavirus and 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 what whatever is is going on uh, in the wake of that. Um, let's talk about some developments in Germany. So. Um, here, uh, I, I've talked about, especially uh, on a recent episode, about the uh, hospitality industry and you know the restaurants and how they um, have to keep these li lists now and how you know there's there's problems with that there's problems with the software and I talked about uh, certain software and you know the CCC 
class computer club finding issues with that and the recommendation there was you know if you use software or if you use paper lists that you know the police can look at and people can look at personal information that shouldn't um, the recommendation from you know privacy and it security folks including from the ccc uh, was just you know don't put your real personal information in put you know first name please uh, last name email me and then put a valid email address and that's it like you don't why would you have to put in your name and your address and whatever i mean the that that just that doesn't make any sense because they don't actually need that personal information the only thing they do need is a valid way to contact you right and if you are like me you know i'm i'm pretty much 24/7 reachable by email uh they don't they don't need any more than my email right they'll contact me and i'll i'll tell them who i am and then we can do contact tracing right and then i give them a phone number and they can ring me up they don't need any more information so i thought that 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 was reasonable what the ccc said um now of course the federal government you know uh, angela merkel and the head of the federal states got together and once again in total harmony just decided change policy and the new policy is that it's now illegal to put in, you have to put in the full information. You can't put in any fake information that's illegal and you can get fined 50 euros. Now, the thing here is to find you 50 euros, they have to catch you. And who's going to catch you? Um, we talked earlier uh, on, the, on on early episodes um, about this, that in Germany, you know, we have ID cards. But if I go to a restaurant and sign a list, they can't make me show my ID card. I think it would actually be illegal for them. Um, to even to try that um, the police can do that but only in certain circumstances you know traffic stops and stuff like that it's, it's actually you know it's regulated and so nobody's going to check this that that you know that nobody's going to enforce this so th this is just a smoke screen right this is one of these mind games again where they're basically um i mean these work we know these work um, they're basically speculating on the uh, well-documented uh, tendency of the German people. If you say something is illegal, you have to do this. Um, you know, the German people will just listen to what the government says. You know, do what the government does. Um, and not think about this logical and think about, well, I, you know, they, they can't even check this. Why, you know, this, this doesn't make any sense. Um And it's and there's another one of these. And this was immediately recognized, I mean, on the evening news when they announced that this was going to happen. Um, yeah, they talked about the fee. And then the next thing the anchor person said was just like, yeah, but that's just, they can't check it anyway. So it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's just a, 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 a trick, basically. They, they didn't say that, but, you know, they, they, everybody immediately recognized that this was just... <sighs> it's just trying and it's like many so many of these policies that i've talked about before um they know that certain things are illegal so they try tricks right they can't really force you to wear a mask so they so they force the owner of the establishment to force you to wear a mask. It's, it's all this it's all this kind of shit and that that just explains it just, just goes to show that what they're doing is actually working around established laws. Like, according to established laws, this all this shouldn't be happening, right? Otherwise, otherwise we would have, have, we would have a, a working legal framework. And if they actually um, 
who are confident they could try to create an actual legal framework is you know the thing we talked about with the apps and you know making it having a law that says right this is this is voluntary and stuff or you know if they if they tried to have a law that said you have to wear face masks then they would immediately run into like constitutional challenges and they might lose those and then the law wouldn't you know they're basically afraid the law wouldn't wouldn't hold up so they're not even passing a law they're doing all this shit through the back door and that's that's one issue we need to be aware of the other issue is that you know these all these government institutions they say they want to do one thing and then they just creep around and a few months later try again um in this case here um in in germany the robert koch institute uh, the RKI, which is the government's institute, we talked about them. They collect all the data, and they originally want a centralized app. Um, you know, we talked about that when I talked about the UK app, and then everything went to decentralized. But they still want a centralized app, and you know, they have another app. For example, they have this app that you can use, you can install if you want, and then you can, if you have a, a fitness tracker or like a health band, or you know, or your iPhone collects health data then you can volunteer and give them that data. And then they, you know, they can presumably fight COVID with it or whatever. Um, and now they want to put that app together with the tracking tracing app. And then they want a third app that they want to integrate where they, it's, it's teaching, it's for teaching the public about, I don't know, coronavirus, whatever. And they want to get all of that together and they want to put all the data in one place and then they would want to put that in the cloud and they want AI analysis. Of course. Of course they want to do they want to do all of that. <laughs> and it's like it's just a few months and they're back to that. They're back to the centralized. They're back they're back to we want all of this information. We want to analyze all of this information. We really need to watch out for that. Right, but you know because you know what's going to happen, right? You have this this tracking and tracing app that is decentralized, where you're anonymous or as anonymous as possible, and then they integrate that with their app, where you know you might have the other app installed, where you're sending them health data. Yeah, it's pseudo anonymized, but you know they get all this data, and we know the more data you get from the more sources you get the more likely it is, even if it's pseudonymized data, for them to know who you are. And we talked about this on the show again and again, especially if location data is involved. It's almost impossible to pseudonymize that, right? If you have the data set where every morning you, you leave one place, you go somewhere else and you stay there for eight hours and you go back, you know who the, where the person lives and where they work. And from that, it's it's trivially easy. Like you know, we know this metadata analysis. We know that you can you can tell who the person is from that. And this is where it's going. And this is something I'm going to talk about in a little bit. Um, this is the great reset topic. Um, this is basically my um, my soapbox for the show uh, for this episode, um, which is you know what I wanna wanna tell you about, which is like. There are all these moves um, afoot to 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 change things, to change how we look at our privacy and to collect this data, and we need to be really aware of that. Um, but before we get into that, 
one of the things why I don't trust the RKI here is, I mean, there's several reasons. Um, one of the reasons is I have sources within the Robert Koch Institute, and um, they have they have told me that uh, first of all they they've never been good with data. Uh, apparently, they were really really uh, really couldn't cope with with this the, the data they were getting at the beginning and dealing with it. Um, I guess pretty much like the CDC in the US, which had similar problems, um, but you know. There are people within the Robert Koch Institute that if you ask them, you know, you know, what, what's the what's the tech now? How it's like, oh, it, we are the last people you want to develop an app. And then I just have, I just, I just, some stuff they are doing just just rubs rubs me the wrong way. Like one being like they're reporting, right? They have this dashboard and they report um, daily cases and they report a cumulative total number of deaths, but they don't report daily deaths. Um, and, well, not on their dashboard. That's what everybody uses, you know, what the media uses, everybody that wants to stay informed is looking there. Um, then if you dig into that, they have like these daily PDF reports, right? If I, I put one in the show notes, uh, this one for yesterday, Tuesday. Um, so if you dig into those, they actually report daily deaths. Um, so if you look at this, uh, we're talking the uh, 6th of October here, um, Germany reported 2,639 new cases and 12 deaths. And I don't know why they don't put that on the dashboard. Um, I have a feeling it's because, you know, they kind of profit. I mean, the RKI must be the best funded government institute, uh, in decades now um you know they get they get you know they have to do all the testing they have to do all this shit they get all this money for this and they you know they profit from from being the center of attention which they are the center of attention as long as this pandemic's going on and as long as people are worried now i think if if they put the 12 deaths on there um people who can think straight and sooner or later somebody uh, of my colleagues in the media will 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 at least I I still have hope that some of these people will start thinking, um, and they will realize that this isn't as bad as people make out to be because you know it's okay twelve deaths a day sounds bad, that sounds bad. Yeah, I mean anybody dying is bad. That's not that's not kid ourselves. You know if if, if this is if this is you or a relative, it's really bad. Um, but we're talking all of Germany. We're talking over eighty million people here. And just to put this into perspective, okay, we have 12 deaths a day from coronavirus, right? In Germany, this is just uh, um, uh, a uh, we don't we don't have you know real numbers about these kind of things. This is just estimated, but it's estimated that in Germany, every day, 40 to 50 people every day die in German hospitals due to medical malpractice. 40 to 50 people. It's just something that happens. We know that for decades. It's actually, it's about, uh, was it 19,000 people a year? Um, and that's just like, you have to make, it's probably higher. I don't know. You'd think like the, 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 the you know, the, the, the rate of, of, of people we don't know about would be quite high. But I don't know. But let's go with 40 to 50 people. I mean, that's a lot more than people are dying from coronavirus. And that's not in the news. They're not saying in the news, well, today 50 people died from medical, medical malpractice. 
you know, people would stop going to the hospital, probably. You know, they, they, if they if they if they got as panicked about this as as they go get about the coronavirus test, and you know, I think people. I mean, I can't can't imagine they're not starting to wake up because even if you look at the total numbers um, that the RKI is is reporting, you will you will notice. I mean, we have okay, so numbers from yesterday. Um, Germany, or I think this is even today, um, had in total nine thousand five hundred forty six deaths, um, and we know this is like pretty much anybody who's who's died and who was positive you know then then not necessarily died directly of coronavirus i mean we we, we talked about i talked about on the show the the coroner in hamburg who said he didn't see one person who actually died of coronavirus they were all they all died of something some illness they had complicated by also getting coronavirus i mean but yeah you could say okay the coronavirus is the cause that's you know it's an argument we can have I'll give you that. But, you know, 9,546 deaths. So you'll notice that Germany, um, even if you look at only the total number, if you if you can remember a little bit back and you've been looking at these numbers, you kind of notice that we reached 9,000 deaths in July, at the beginning of July. So that means from the beginning of July, we now have the beginning of October, Germany had 600 coronavirus deaths. That's not really m- many. I mean, it's 600, 600 people that died. That is bad, but it's not that much. And, you know, in their in their report here, uh, the Robert Koch Institute uh, actually talks about proportion of deaths, 3.1%. That sounds a lot. Um, but you have to imagine, you know, you have, you have to remember that this is, I mean, this is 9,546 deaths um, and 303,258,000 confirmed cases. So that's where the 3.1% comes from. It's it's death relative to confirmed cases. Now, we we know that a lot more people are infected with this virus um, <clears throat> than are confirmed cases. We know that people get this and don't have any symptoms at all. We know that people only have mild symptoms. They will not get tested. They will not go to a hospital. Um, so we have a, a huge number of people that, that got this disease and are not in this in this total number. Um, and you know, talk to people. You, you you will realize that that's the case. I mean, I'm I'm just just. I mean, we don't know. This is all anecdotal evidence. But so that there are no total numbers about this because we don't really don't have them. Um, but they're piling up, right? So I'm I keep um, I watch these uh, UFC catch fights. And you have these, uh, you know, they're athletes and they're professionally beating each other up. And um, they have this very strict testing regime where they test everybody. And it's again and again now where these fights get canceled because the the fighter in question was tested positive for coronavirus. Now, they got there. They were ready for the fight. They did complete training camp for months. And then they got to the UFC, to the, I don't know, Fight Island, whatever, in Abu Dhabi, and they were tested, and then they realized they were positive. They didn't notice. They're in a training camp where they're training. So they get up, you know, they run 20 kilometers, they lift some weights, they spar for 25 minutes, beat some guy up, get beaten up. Then they go into the sauna. They, you know, they do all this shit where, like, before the weigh-in, they they lose like I don't know ten pounds, 
you know, they dehydrate their body and they do all this. They put themselves through this rigorous, most rigorous training you could ever have, like the north of, I don't know, NFL training. This is like the toughest stuff you could ever do. And it, they're positive. They, they don't realize, right? Because there's obviously people where this virus has absolutely, they have no symptoms whatsoever. So we know, I'm, I'm pretty sure we know there are a lot more people. So I think these, the 3% number um, is actually not not representative of, you know, reality as in like, you know, mortality rate. Um. But yeah, I have issues with the Robert Koch Institute and the way they the way they're reporting this, um, and I have issues with with my colleagues, you know, on on the evening news and they're writing in in the big mainstream publications because they are not. This is not talked about. Um, if you look at the death rate, it's going down, and the, the funny thing is, nobody knows why. It's like it's really. Um, it, it's really up for debate uh, in the medical community as well. I have a lot of um, sources that are doctors. I talk to a lot of doctors, and uh, for, especially recently because this is an interesting topic. I try to hang out socially with doctors whenever I can, and I always kind of get to over beer or whatever and try to get them to talk about coronavirus. And I recently had a very interesting uh, discussion with um with somebody I know who works in a very big hospital and uh, she's, she's going through, um, she's like in her first year um, of, of being a doctor. And this is when like in a hospital you get, you go around, you basically go to every department because you don't know what you're going to specialize in yet. And, and they want you to, to, you know, get a feeling of all the departments and of, of everything works. And she's been for months now, she's been in the emergency room. So she's been in the emergency room through a lot of this, uh, COVID-19 stuff and obviously they get a lot of people um, COVID and stuff and I asked her um, like I was like this death rate's going down she's like yeah, yeah we, we're talking about this as well and I'm like what is it I mean I have I had two theories I'm like A is the virus changing right is it mutating is it a different strain is it not as deadly or B are we just treating people better and she was like definitely B um, there were a lot of mistakes done in, in the beginning um you know, when the when the stuff in Italy was happening, everybody was panicking. Uh, they didn't know how to treat this. It's like with the medical practice, right? I'm not being mad at doctors. This is just that happens. Everybody makes mistakes. You know, if you're a plumber and you make a mistake, you know, somebody's living room gets flooded. It's not nice, pretty shit. But it's if you're a doctor and you're in an emergency room, you make a mistake, people die. And that just happens. It's just a part of life. You know, those those 40 to 50 people every day that die in Germany because of this, this is just... That just happens. We accept that. But funnily, we do not accept the 12 people that die of coronavirus. Right? We are like, oh no, we all have to wear masks. Right? We're not going, hey, 40, 40 people a day dying of medical malpractice is unacceptable. We need to have like a an oversight committee for doctors. They're killing people. Right? We're not we're not doing that. Um so anyway, I, I was talking to her and she's like, yeah, I think um, we just know a lot more about how the disease develops. We know a lot more how, how to treat it. I mean, early on, a lot of people were put on ventilators way too early. It's one thing um, people talk about. And you now we know, know more about the risk groups and we know what to do and when to do it and, and all of this kind of stuff. And th that is fascinating to me. And that is not being discussed at all, right? That's not, there's no talk shows 
on mainstream TV where they, I mean, they're talking about the case numbers all the time, but they're not like, hey, look, case numbers are going up, but the death numbers are going down. Something's like, good news, everybody. Not as many people are dying. They're not, they're not talking about that. And so this is, this leads me into, um, you'll be probably be wondering, I mean, come on. Oh, I probably, probably should have played that, uh, that jingle. I'm just gonna, you know, just, uh, I know it's too late, but you know, just, just a little bit of warning here. like that jingle so much <laughs> thanks to no agenda as always uh stealing their jingles uh but yeah um so you know why 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 is he talking about this I mean, the, the thing is the, the the thing that's going on here is we're reacting to this virus in a certain way and we're, we're reacting to the situation and it'd be okay for me if that was just it you know if, if if this was like on a medical level or whatever and even if it was only wearing face masks i could accept that to me that you know that's a political thing you know joe biden yesterday said uh wearing masks that's just science that's not a political statement which is absolute and utter bullshit the guy doesn't know like when somebody like joe biden when Trump's the same way. Any politician, Angela Merkel, when they say, hey, this is what the science says, what they mean is I have a guy who I trust who tells me that's what the scientists say. They have no idea about anything. Like they, they're not on PubMed. They don't even know what PubMed is. You know, they're not reading papers. They don't know. Angela Merkel probably still knows what peer review papers are. But, you know, it, it has nothing to do with science. Like they're... Believe me, I've been looking at this for months now. There is no hard scientific evidence that this masks work for this thing. We know they work for certain things. You know, they're surgical masks. Um, they were designed for surgeons to wear them during an operation, and they filter bacteria. You know, there are there. So when a when they operate on you, and they breathe out, or they you know spit flies as it always does you know it goes into the mask and the bacteria don't go into your open stomach they are operating on and it works for that and we know it works for bacteria you know you can get a petri dish and you can you can talk to the petri dish and then you put a mask on and you talk on another petri dish and you can tell well that petri dish has a lot more bacteria growing on it so it's obviously the mask is stopping some bacteria when i'm wearing it now try to do that with a virus. You know, viruses are not visible visible on Petri dishes. You can't do this kind of thing. And yes, you can say it works for bacteria. The problem is a virus is a whole, you know, there's a difference between a, a what's it, a nanometer and a micrometer. It's like it's, it's an order of magnitude of different size. The virus is a lot smaller than a bacteria. Um, so, you know, it's, it's an educated guess. We say well, probably it stops some of the droplets and that probably has virus in it. Yes, I, I'm completely down with saying let's wear masks. It's probably good. So I'm okay with that. I'm not okay with saying, oh, the science, the science says, the scientists say uh, the masks. No, they don't. They do not. They do not. There are no 
there are some studies, you know, you can, there are some studies, there's some epidemiological studies where you have, you can have control, like you have groups and you say, okay, this is, this is the same setup as that setup and people here were wearing masks and people there weren't wearing masks and the people that weren't wearing masks, there were more infections there. Yes, we can do that. Yes. But correlation doesn't equal causation. There are indications that these masks help, but you know, we don't, we, we can't quantify that. Because it's bloody hard to quantify a virus. We, we don't know. There's all these kind of different masks. Is it a surgical mask? Is it an N95 mask? Somebody wearing a bandana? Is it one of those idiotic face shields that don't, you know, that were actually designed to, if you're, if you're, if you're a surgeon, so you don't get blood into your eyes? <laughs> you know, it's this bullshit. It's a political statement. I'd be okay if we have that political statement. I'd be okay if, if, if this is a, you know, if, if the question, um, this all um, comes down to is is basically uh, are we wearing masks or not? If 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 that's that's the important thing, yeah. So I'm I would be completely okay with that. If it's just masks or not, yes. But the problem is the problem here is it's not a question about masks. It's like it is pervasive through our whole society. There's all these different things, all these different questions where people are like. Oh, this is the new normal. This is the post-corona era. We need to reevaluate everything. And that's the problem. Right? When they go, when they go, hey, cash is evil. Um, we need a cashless society. No, cash, this this virus is not spread via cash. That's the, the, the WHO and everybody said that in like March. <laughs> but they're still going on. Oh, pay, pay cashless if you can. Sorry? I mean, if, if I'm at supermarket and I'm giving you my cash, then maybe okay, I'm endangering the thing if it would actually spread. But now I'm 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 using the, the everybody's using a fucking keypad, right? And then it doesn't it makes no sense. Oh no, don't use the keypad, just touch your card. It has nothing to do with preventing the spread of coronavirus. They just want you to pay cashless. Because they can track every fucking move you do, and you know, I'll get into that. You know, I'll, I'll I'll talk about some some higher concepts later, and I will say these things. I will say things like um, they, and when I say that, what I mean is not. I'm not saying there's a conspiracy. I'm not saying it's somebody doing this. Uh, later, we'll talk about the World Economic Forum. I'm not saying I'm, I'm, I'm the WEF wants that or some cabal of world government. No, when I say they, I mean. Um, forces in society and it's you know they're, they're all doing it independently they all have their own agenda it's not they it's nobody controlling it but you know if you're talking about let's go to what i in an earlier episode called the war on cash if we have the war on cash let's go to cashless uh a cashless society there, there's lots of people who uh who want that banks want that payment providers want that google wants that you know all kinds of companies that collate this data advertising agencies want that because they get the data from that and then they can sell you things you know the guy who runs the supermarket wants that because he can analyze all this kind of shit better than if you're paying cash um you know because they can track you they know oh we've seen this credit card before and this guy always buys that so on Monday, there's always a guy who comes in here and buys a six-pack of beer. And that's in, 
important information. I get that. So it's not a conspiracy. I'm just saying, you know, they, this is just general people. And that's the problem that, that this, um, this, the situation we have is being used by lots of forces in society, in politics and in business to change things. And they will say, it is they, <laughs> uh, it is imperative that we do this. And they never explain. And this brings me to the next, uh, my next topic. This is kind of like my soapbox for this episode um, where, I, where I wrap everything, uh, where this is, this is the point it all comes down to. Um, so there's a term that you might have heard because this is a bit older. I realize I've, you know, I've been moving and had all this kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm recapping some stuff that happened uh, a few weeks ago. So, um, but I think this is really important. I think we need to, re you know, visit, talk about this, even if it's a bit older. Um, you might have heard the term the Great Reset. The Great Reset is something the World Economic Forum, the WEF, came up with. These are the Davos people. And um, they are saying Corona has changed everything. It was this huge, this biggest thing that ever happened and it changed everything. And, and now we need to change. We need to change our society, our political system. We need to change all these systems. And I have a great uh, clip here that once again, um, I am thankful to the great No Agenda podcast, uh, John C. Dvorak and Adam Curry. And um, while I don't agree with them on a lot of things, uh, especially on uh, scientific topics, I, I mostly disagree with them. I disagree with them with lots, lots about coronavirus and stuff and also about a lot of conspiracy theories. But um, they they have good clips. And they, you know, they're one of, of, of the podcasts I modeled this show after because one of their things they do and I really like and want to do with the show as well is provide you, the producer, the listener with with all the material I use to do the show, right? I give you the show notes. There's everything in there. all the sources I use. Um, there's links to all the clips I play. Um, so they're doing the same thing. You know, my stuff you can find on private citizen. Uh, Private citizen press, <laughs> man, uh, it's 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 been it's been a long day today. Um, so I provide all this uh, the resources, and they they do that too because that's their philosophy, and you know, they want you to think for yourself, and I want that too. So in this case, they provided this clip in an earlier podcast they did, which is just as well because the WF pulled it from their website. Um, I know that it's from the WEF because they have other other sound bites from this event from the same people um but they pulled this and i i think they pulled it because it's it's very telling and um so this is a um from a conference call uh when they launched the great reset like their book and their agenda their project they launched that and the guy you will hear talking in a bit is uh, professor klaus schwab who is a german uh he founded the world economic forum and he is the chairman And he sounds like an evil Bond villain or maybe a Nazi from Hogan's Heroes. And that makes this clip even more better because, I mean, let's just, let's just listen to that guy. You'll, you'll get what I mean. Thank you, Adrian. It is obvious. Isn't that like just, thank you, Adrian. It's just like a Bond villain. That we are in the midst of the most severe crisis the world has experienced since World War II. Okay, let's stop there. 
That's something that a lot of people say. It's something that Angela Merkel said early on, which I disagree with. I don't think this is the biggest crisis in World War II because a lot of shit has happened since World War II. But let's go with that, right? Let's let let's just let's just let's just give them that for a moment. Let's let's take that as our premise. Seventy-five years ago, countries and people came together to shape the post-war global order. We came together to shape the post-war global order. Jawohl! Which brought us decades of peace, increased global cooperation and prosperity to hundreds of millions of people around the world. It the COVID-19 crisis has shown us that our old systems are not fit anymore for the 21st century. Uh, why? Uh, why? Why are our old systems not fit anymore for the 21st? Why has the COVID crisis shown us that? I don't. I don't agree with that at all. Like, and I. This is their modus operandi. These people that want to push this, this change, they always say, "Well, well, COVID changed everything, so now we have to do that." And they don't provide any arguments. They don't provide any arguments why COVID has changed anything. They're just that. That's just a given. And it's also given that we need to change anything. Like if, if you ask me, the thing that the COVID-19 crisis has shown us is that our health systems um, are not up to scratch. And that maybe, uh, you know, saving all that money in the last 10, 20 years, I can't talk really about your country, wherever you are. I know that's what has happened in, the, in, the, um, in, in Germany. It certainly has happened in the UK uh, while I was living there. Um, we were destroying the NHS, or the in the UK they were destroying the NHS. In Germany, the uh, the Conservative Party, Angela Merkel's party, was systematically destroying our health system. Our the guy who's shepherding Germany, the our health minister. I say this, I'm, I always say this. I'm, I will not let it go. Um, who's shepherding us through this crisis? In February, said that we need to be more uh, proactive with closing hospitals and, you know, paying paying people less and having less nurses and all this kind of shit. Right? That's the problem. We saw that. that that's what COVID-19 show, showed us. Our health systems weren't up to scratch. The saving money with the health system was a bad mistake. We saw that in Italy. We saw it colossal fail of their health system we saw it in new york we saw huge problems there and and that's what it shown us it doesn't it hasn't shown us that we just need to nuke everything and destroy the whole the whole uh, post war order and we need a new post corona order no we just need to fucking sort out our health systems anyway but let's listen let's listen to what that guy thinks we need to be doing thank you adrian sorry um, it has laid not fit anymore for the 21st century. Right. It has laid bare the fundamental lack of social cohesion, fairness, inclusion, and equality. Now Why? Like, what, what, does, what does this have to do? I mean, yeah, uh, cohesion, social cohesion, yes, maybe, but that's, you know, what's damaged that 
is um, our dealing with the crisis, you know, uh, mandating masks and, you know, this whole, the, the whole political divide. Yes, I agree with that, but that's, it's not the virus. That's our, our reaction to the virus. But what does this have to do with equality? Like, why do we have an equality issue? What, how, how has the virus laid bare an equality issue? Are there more women dying of coronavirus in Germany than men? If anything, from what I know, it's harder on the male uh, metabolism. But it, what is he talking about? Now is a historical moment, a time, not only to fight severe virus, but to shape the system. Yes, we must have shaped the system. Now is the historical time. Doesn't tell us why, but you know, now, now people are prepared. We can change everything. For the need for the post-corona era. We have a choice to remain passive, which would lead to, an, to the amplification of many of the trends we see today. Polarization, nationalism, racism, and ultimately increased social unrest and conflicts. What does coronavirus have to do with racism or nationalism? I, I, I don't get it. Is, is there an issue where like German hospitals have said, oh, we don't have any ICU beds anymore. We can't, uh, you, you're, you're black or, you know, you're, you're this ethnic group, you know, you're Jewish, you're Catholic. We can't, you're Muslim. We're not treating you. Like, what, what's this guy? To, what is this bullshit? He's talking bullshit. But we have another choice. We can build a new social contract. Aha. Particularly integrating the next generation. We can change our behavior to be in harmony with nature again. Ah, here, here. This is, this is what he's got. Yeah, of course, climate change right because that has everything to do with corona we now reclaim we need we need to be in harmony with the nature again what's he say what is he say she's saying oh if we are in harmony with the nature again then we will not be attacked by any viruses anymore because the virus is the reaction of the planet we are heating up the planet and 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 then the viruses they're 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 they're, they're the immune system of the planet and they're killing us because we are killing the planet is that what he's saying That's really scientific. What is, who is, what, what is this bullshit? And we can make sure that the technologies of the fourth industrial revolution are best utilized to provide us with better lives. Here, this is where we're going, right? The, the, the technologies of the fourth industrial re revolution are better utilized to provide us with better lives. Tracking, track everybody, you know, no cash, track everybody and then we can we can do it like china right if we have an outbreak we can just lock them all down they're all they're all they're all attracted we know where they are you know we can we can lock down that quarter of the city and then everybody will be safe this is, it will be great it will be great it will be just like in the 30s in germany when we were in harmony with nature in short we need a great reset We have to mobilize all constituents of our global society to work together. We must not miss this unique window of opportunity. This unique window of opportunity to change the global order. You know, when, when I hear guys, when I hear that guy talking, you know what I think? No, we don't need that. What we need is we need to aim to misbehave. Support is maybe 12 years old. 
Parliament buried it, and it stayed buried until the river dug it up. This is what they feared she knew. And they were right to fear. Because there's a whole universe of folk who are going to know it too. They're going to see it. Somebody has to speak for these people. Y'all got on this boat for different reasons. But y'all come to the same place. So now I'm asking more of you than I have before. Maybe all. As sure as I know anything, I know this. They will try again. Maybe on another world, maybe on this very ground swept clean. A year from now, ten, they'll swing back to the belief that they can make people better. And I do not hold to that. So no more running. I am I to misbehave. misbehave. I do. I do. I aim to misbehave because we need to stop this bullshit. Because this is where it's going. I mean, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm not saying the WEF is like orchestrating all of this. I'm saying lots of people in society right now are getting this idea. They're all independently, they're understanding this. Good politicians are understanding this now. They're understanding that we are, we've people for what reason whatsoever. I would say, you know, we're in panic for this virus. Other people would say, you know, we're just reacting appropriately to the virus, whatever. We have a reaction. Not the virus was, the virus isn't something that was never there before. We have, we always had pandemics. We had different pandemics. We had people dying. This is, this is nothing new. Our reaction to this virus is new. And people are realizing that and they're realizing they can use that. They can use that reaction to change things. And, you know, if they haven't, if lots of people haven't realized it by now, the, the World Economic Forum has now published a book called The Great Reset. And they wrote it down in that book, you know, for their purposes. But other people will realize that and they will start using that. So we need to be aware of this. Because you might be wondering, why, why is he talking about this? This is like it's some esoteric bullshit. No, it's not. This is what we've been seeing. This is what I've been watching throughout this show just in a more organic unorganized situation since since i started reporting on this coronavirus thing you know you can listen to those shows the old episodes and you will realize i'm going through all these things that are happening that i knew where you have you know germans who 10 years ago were going berserk when google took a picture of their house from the other side of the road their house not even them, their house. And they were like, now people know where I live, blah, 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 blah. The same people do not bat an eye when they now go to a restaurant and they have to put their address down. And the government requires that. And they don't even bat an eye. So that change, these changes, that, that's the social, that, that, that's what's happening in society right now. And what we see now with people like, you know, this guy, uh, you know, Hogan, um, we feel like that guy. Um, they're realizing they can use that. They can use this social dynamic that is happening right now. And they can push it in all different directions. And they would, you know, this goes through all of society. It's not only, I mean, I'm concentrating here on privacy things. So I'm concentrating like, you know, like the war on cash. 
and um, tracking of people and the government mandating apps or the government saying this or that, you know, but it, it goes through all, all levels of society. And if you're interested in, in different fields, you, you might want to start looking out for how the great reset, I'm just going to call this the great privacy reset from now on, but you know, it's, it's on, on different levels of society as well. But if you're, if you're talking privacy, um, you will be seeing, all kinds of fact, okay, politi politicians, people in, uh, in 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 industry, you know, people in in tech, they, they they're using this. They're just saying, basically, the argument goes like this: This is the worst thing that ever happened. I'm not explain why. This means we must overthrow everything. I'm not explain why. And now let's let's do X, right? And Lots of people are going with that. They're just buying that wholesale, and that's dangerous. We need to, we need to be um, we need to be really careful of that, um, you know. And you, you're seeing you're seeing it everywhere. And it's just, I mean, if you just stop and think, and you're like, why? Why do we need to change everything? No, we don't need to change everything. Maybe we need to like, I'm 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 I might even be uh, go as far as concede. Yes, we all need to wear masks till the end of time. So now maybe. But then I would say, really don't. We just need to reform our health systems a bit. You go go back to the way they were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, maybe. Just spend more money on that. Spend more money on that. Problem solved. Um, but you know that that's that's not where it's gonna stop. It's it's all these, and you see it. You see all these Corona measures. You know they're they're all they they make no sense. They're different everywhere, but they make no sense, right? You wear a mask in that situation, but you don't do that, and then you, you don't pay with cash here, and it it doesn't. It's just it just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, I, I'm just I don't I don't want to go on um, much further about this. I just wanted to. Um, to bring this up and to to explain to you that this this is what's going on and I'll I'll be keeping an eye on that. I keep an eye on this great privacy reset uh, situation and I'll I'll bring it up. I'll bring up things as I see them and I hope you will too. I hope you'll 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 provide feedback on um what what I've what I've what I've just laid down here and you know maybe you'll agree maybe you don't agree maybe you have some examples maybe you see something happening please um, write in privatecitizen.press uh, contact details under feedback and also a link in the footer there's ways to contact me anonymously which I think only makes sense uh, when we're talking a privacy podcast but please get in touch I do value um, a healthy dialogue with people that listen to the show and speaking of, speaking of dialogue with people who listen to the show let's do that let's go into the producer feedback at first um, so we have some boots on the ground reports. Uh, we have our anonymous Canadian who's written to us before, and they um, they provide some new information from Canada. Um, so, quoting them here, um, I've been on days off and have not had a chance to listen to your newest podcast yet. I, however, stumbled across this link that I thought would interest you, um, and it's a story called Quebec gives police legal tools to enter homes quickly to stop gatherings during COVID-19. CBC is the Canadian government-sponsored news outlet. It costs hundreds of millions of dollars a year to keep it going. Think of it as the Canadian equivalent of the old Ministry of Propaganda. 
I do think that's a bit harsh. Um, you know, I mean, yes, government-sponsored broadcasting has its downsides. It also has its upsides, but, you know, I get, I get, I get the criticism. Anyway, some excerpts from that story on, on CBC, uh, quoting here, um, Quebec, prim, uh, Quebec Premier François Legault says police is uh, police in the province's red zones, regions where COVID-19 cases are surging. Red zone. It's like from Resident Evil. <laughs> um, regions where COVID-19 cases are surging will be issuing $1,000 fines to those who violate newly strengthened public health rules. With fees, those fines will top $1,500 and can be issued for gathering in private residences or protesting without a face covering. Quebec reported 838 new cases of COVID-19, but no deaths. Wednesday. So they're, they're, they're prohibiting you to gather in private residence because of 838 new cases a day. No deaths. Okay. Since the start of the pandemic, there have been uh, 74,288 confirmed cases and 5,834 people have died in the province, which is interesting. That's more than have died in Germany uh, with a lot less cases. Hmm. Maybe it's... A, yeah, this could be another... Uh, focus of the health system i mean i feel like i personally just just a quick aside here i feel like it has to be the health system because it's the same virus everywhere right it's not like it's gonna kill more connect unless unless uh, uh what, what was it klaus klaus is right and it's really a racist virus and the virus says we need to kill the canadians but the germans we don't kill right so i feel like it must be a factor of the health system um but anyway we don't know um, continuing here from the story, uh, beyond the few exceptions, such as for care, such as for caregivers or romant romantic relations, oh la la, house guests are not allowed. Legault says police are authorized to demand proof of residency, and if residents refuse entry, officers will be able to obtain warrants faster through a new virtual system that was established in collaboration with the Crown. The premier said, "Quote." We had to give the police the means to intervene, said Public Security Minister Genevieve Gibault. I love this. These people are all the same. We, we, just, we had to give police the right. Like, why? Why? And who are these fucking journalists and the CBC? You know, criticism here, uh, I think, is, is well-deserved. Like, if, if, if the Public Security Minister says that, the first thing you ask as a journalist is, Why? Why? And if they can't answer that, then you put that in the fucking story. <laughs> uh, uh, we had to give police the means to interview, said Public Security Minister Genevieve Jubot. Normally, the process for obtaining a warrant takes, uh, can take a day or two, but that won't work when police want to break up parties that very same evening, Legault says. Well, then it doesn't... Like, there's a reason it takes one or two days for a warrant, right? presumably it's like here a judge has to look over it and there's process right and now they're just doing away with the process it sounds to me might as well why why have why even have warrants why does, why not just just arrest people just go into houses bust you know why not wear brown shirts and you know knee-high boots leather boots while you're at it and like leather trench coats lego said all gatherings will be banned all gatherings will be bad. Even outside in public parks. 
an activity that has grown more popular in places like Montreal during the pandemic. Legault said people from red zones, red zones. cannot travel to orange zones, orange zones to eat in a restaurant, re restaurant or gather in a home. They will face fines if they do. He said restaurants will not be re required to verify residency, but police can issue a ticket if they catch people violating the rules. Legault made no mention of roadblocks, somehow that occurred last spring. However, Jubot said signs will um, something that occurred last spring. However, it's, they're really Nazi roadblocks. Jesus Christ. However, Jubot said signs will be posted warning people they are entering or leaving a red zone. You are entering a red zone. I repeat, you're entering a red zone. Man. Christ. Jackbooted bastards. Um, anyway, our producer continues their feedback. The province of Ontario, on the other hand, seems to have lost all thought process. Ontario is bringing back rules reminiscent of lockdown. However, they are not in alignment with what the federal government is doing. This is very well reviewed in this opinion piece. And there's a link if you're interested in the show notes, private citizen press. And British Columbia is no better. Look at the surging number of cases. However, they fail to point out that when you compare the percentage of positive tests to total tests, the percentage was much higher earlier this year versus this year versus now. Back when they were doing 10,000 tests a day versus the 50,000 uh, tests per day now, which is what you would expect, you know, just statistics. Do more tests is probably less. You probably catch less, catch less positives um, as a percentage. Um, I don't see this politically fueled mess going any, away anytime soon. No, I don't either. Uh, keep up the good work and I look forward to listening to this newest episode on my travels tomorrow. Well, yeah, there you go. Um, and, and probably this episode as well. <laughs> um, also, uh, I had some feedback from, um, you know, Yevgeny Kuznetsov, who's written in, in the past as a listener and producer from uh, Moscow in Russia. And he replies to some discussion I had on an early episode where I talked about vaccination, and basically forcing people to vaccinate their kids when they want to go to school. And Yevgeny uh, says, well, I don't really know about Germany, but in Russia and Ukraine, yeah, I know not the exemplary states freedom-wise, non-vaccinated children are prohibited from going to state-funded schools, etc., which is essentially enforcement and perhaps violating the constitutional right for education, at least in Russia, but our government doesn't seem to care. I do agree with your general sentiment, but these are very slippery matters we're talking about here. Should my constitutional right to live and preserve health be trumped by a virus disseminating person's right for freedom of movement, seeing as they rode the same subway train I did? And um, he continues, but I'm, let, let's just uh, address that. Um, yeah, I think you had hit the um, nail on the hat there. That is always the question, right? This is what constitutional scholars debate uh, in Germany about this kind of stuff as well, pretty much in every country. This is how you, you know, um, you need to, you have a constitution, you have other laws, and then you need to interpret those. And I feel like, um, I feel like, yeah, that's, that's the question. The question is always, you know, yes, generally, at least here in Germany, it's held that um, if you are endangering somebody else in public, um, then your, your, your freedom can be, uh, curtailed um but the question is like what what is that endangering like the question is how how dangerous is covid 
right? How how likely is somebody to catch it if I wear a mask or not, for example, or if I'm vaccinated or not? Um, that is something that needs to be looked at. And I feel like traditionally um, we looked at that very differently. So there are uh, specific laws, you know, I've, I've talked about information. Uh, the Infektionsschutzgesetz very early on in the show and how it works and that, you know, it was written for um, contagious diseases, specifically things like Ebola and Yersinia pestis. Um, and there it was generally accepted, yes, if you have that disease, the state can basically lock you up um, if you're not quarantined. Well, basically they will lock you up to protect other people. Which you know comes from historical um, precedents, you know things like the outbreak of the Marburg virus in Marburg, um, and it's completely understandable. Now we're using this, we're we're using the same level of can restrict people's freedoms for another kind of disease, for one that is less deadly. I mean, we can have a discussion how deadly COVID is, and if it's as deadly as the flu or more, it's certainly a lot less deadly than Ebola or Yersinia pestis. Um, so there are no two ways forward. Either we say, um, looking at previous precedents, we cannot use the same laws and the same standards for restricting people's privacy, uh, no freedom, personal freedom, private, whatever, um, restricting people's freedoms. Um, than for these diseases because it's not on the same level as endangering the public. And, you know, we, we previously ruled with other infectious diseases that were relatively comparable to COVID um, that we wouldn't restrict people's freedoms. Or the other, the other you know, the, the, the other way to go, uh, which, is, which would also work, is saying, okay, we're changing our standards. Um, we are now treating COVID like this and we realize as a society, we accept that if somebody endangers public safety to this level, then we can restrict their privacy. But then I feel like, uh, their, 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 their personal freedoms, but then I feel like we need to apply the same standards to other, you know, then the jump from COVID to the flu isn't that far, Right. Um, and then we maybe need to, well, we will need to apply that standard to other um, diseases as well, which will lead to a lot more restricting of people's privacies. Um, and you know, that's a, that's a discussion that that needs that needs to be had. I, you know, I'm, I'm certainly, I certainly think we should uh, we should dial back the restricting people's freedoms when we have. 17 deaths a day that are way outclassed by medical malpractice and, and other diseases right i mean we could we could we could compare this to um we could compare this to cardiovascular disease and you know people's freedom to eat steaks or drink beer or eat a lot because then they get fat and then they get cut. Okay, they're just endangering themselves. Probably a bad example. But, you know, there's other diseases and other stuff. So, uh, I don't know. Uh, but Yevgeny continues. 
uh, because the argument is basically very similar, we are essentially forcing people to be vaccinated, taking away their freedom to choose which molecules to put or not to put into their bodies. And we do that for the good of the community. And that's okay. Now we're forcing people to stay at home, taking away their freedom to go where they please. And we do that for the good of the community. And somehow that's not okay. I'm a little confused. Where, in your opinion, uh, the limit for the need, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one argument should be? Now, I think you misunderstood me there, uh, Evgeny, because um, I don't feel both of these are not okay. I, I don't feel the um, restricting people's freedoms personally. I don't think is okay, and I think the um, forcing vaccinations on people is 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 not okay because I'm I'm, I'm of the firm opinion that it's actually against the German constitution there is uh there, there is a very firm um clause in there um that means that in, ensures your bodily uh that you you have the right to decide you know what to do with your body like doctors can't give you an injection if you don't if you don't agree to it um And th th there is very, very good historical reasons for that. I mean, to spell it out, the Nazis did experiments on people against their will. Um, and yes, the Nazis did that in on a, um, you know, they did they did that with certain eth ethnic groups and with. Um, with disabled people and you know certain religions and stuff like that but it's not made better when you do it to everybody there's a reason we have we have laws against this you know we we have that in our Grundgesetz there's there's very 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 good reasons and i feel like they should not we shouldn't back down a, a millimeter from that And I also feel like, um, I mean, I talked about this in the context of schools, right? When let's say I have a kid and let's say the German government realized that they can't force me to vaccinate my child because that's, well, okay, child is a bad example in this case because they can actually do that <laughs> because um, the child itself is not until you know, until you're, uh, you're of age, you can't decide. It's a, it's a It's a bad example. It's just a loophole in the constitution that way. But um, what what I'm what I'm trying to say is here is um, so if they if they if they can't make it so you have to vaccinate your child and they do basically the workaround where they're like okay then we just make a law that your child can't go to school like it won't be accepted in schools if it's not vaccinated that is basically force, forcing forcing vaccination. It's the same thing. Um, it might not legally be the same thing, but, you know, spirit of the law, letter of the law. This is the thing we talked about apps, you know, um, why there should be a law that these, these contact tracing apps should be completely um, voluntary. Because you can have this situation, you know, where basically the government says it's voluntary, but then your your supermarket don't doesn't let you in if you don't have the app installed, but you need to buy food. So you have to install the app, so it's not voluntary anymore. And this is kind of the same, um, the same situation. And so I, I don't, I object to both of these. I, I object to the vaccination part, um, and I object to. I don't think neither of that is okay. And I generally, um, just just to refer back to Yevgen, what Evgeny was saying, 
I generally, I think I've talked about this before. I, I, I object to the need of the many outweigh the needs of the few, or the one argument is this Spock argument, which is, um, I think I linked uh, an, an an essay about this once uh, in the show notes. Um, is this this is very unvulcan. This is a very unlogical uh, premise. It, it on the surface it seems logical, and uh, on the on the on the level uh, they they dis they discuss this philosophically on Star Trek. It seems logical, but if you think about it, um, it it really is not um, it, because the the whole uh, the, the needs of the many outweigh the, the needs of the few um, can be used for very very sinister um, purposes and has been in 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 history. I mean, it's a no brainer. We talked about the Nazis. I'm going to go back to the Nazis. That is how the Nazis justified killing people. They justified killing a certain certain groups of people by saying it is better, you know, there there's weird uh, twisted idea of eugenics, you know, they said that's better for the majority of the German people. And just the the danger of what you can justify with that argument is why I don't like that argument. Um, but thank you for writing in, Yevgeny. See, this is the stuff I, I want. I think this is great. This kind of dialogue um, with the people to listen to the show is invaluable. It's really, I appreciate it a lot. Um, also, I had a short message from Fadi Mansour who says, uh, one point that I wanted to mention, you sometimes apologize or warn of an incoming rant. You have to understand that sometimes the rant is part of the appeal. So please keep up the good work and keep the rants coming. Uh, Fadi, I certainly will keep the rants coming. I know they are part of the appeal. People have been telling me this since Links Outlaws. I know, and it's 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 just in my nature. Um, but you know, my nature is that way. I I I say what I think. I get mad, um, and I just know that some people it's hard to deal. They find it hard to deal with that. That's not that's not how they used to, um, you know, from consuming other media. And I think it's a it's actually strength of podcasts to to be. To have, can, you can have that integrity and you can say what you think and you can shout shout if you need to shout. And I'm just cautioning this because I know there's there's new people listening to the show and uh, listening to it for the first time and I want to keep the culture shock at the minimum. This is actually, um, while we're at that topic, let me just shortly play. This is another clip from No Agenda that uh, they ended the show with recently and uh, this, this goes right to this topic. And I had this in the playlist for at some point to play this because this is exactly why it's great to, it's a great time to be a podcaster yeah it's it's a great time to be a podcaster that's all i can say very very proud <laughs> yeah. of with your own network to distribute yourself without having to go through Podbean or any of these uh, <laughs> operations going oh you know we don't think your podcast is suitable anymore <laughs> Yeah, that's why I love doing podcasts. <laughs> it's so true. And you know, I just wanna I just wanna keep the culture shock when you people do don't, don't worry, there, there there will be rants. Rants will be had. Um thanks everybody. Uh thanks for um thanks for writing in. Uh, I appreciate it a lot. And uh, if you li have listened to this and you have disagreed to things uh I've said, please, or you agreed, or you have you have examples or something you want to add, please uh, contact me. Contact link is in the show notes, private citizen or press uh, under producer feedback and also in the um, bottom footer of the show. 
as I said, there's also ways to contact me anonymously if you want to be want to become a whistleblower. Um, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, I produce this uh, podcast under the value for value model, which means I give it to you. You can do with it what whatever you want. You don't have to pay for it. Uh, but if it provides you value, um, then I ask you to think about, you know, how much how much value that that provides you and, and think about maybe giving some value back. You can give value back by writing, you know, by providing information, by doing some research, sending me things, giving me ideas for shows, giving me input. But you can also help me monetarily, which is very much appreciated. And to be honest, keeps the show going because I need to, I'm um, a freelance journalist here. Uh, I need to put food on the table. My preferred way is Patreon, uh, which is just great because it's like, you know, a bit of a commitment for you and it's kind of like a steady trickle for me um, you do not have to pay 30 dollars uh, a month uh, you will get a shirt but you don't have to do that there's there's tiers that start at one dollar um, whatever whatever you feel is right um, if you don't want to commit you can also send me one of contribution via paypal to the email address produces at fab.industries produces at fab.industries every bit helps it's it's very much appreciated and we come to the end of the show. And with that, I would like to thank everybody. I would like to thank, uh, first off, I would like to thank Ruul Kabazali, who uh, wrote a great theme tune that I've licensed for the show. And it's become, I think it's, uh, I feel it's become really recognizable and a real, really integral part of the show. So I would like to thank Raul for that. I would also like to thank ByteMark, uh, which is a hosting company from the UK, bytemark.co.uk. They are providing me with the service I use to send the audio files to you pro bono, which is also something that helps me keep the show going. And it's very much appreciated. I love them. They're a great hosting company. I've never had any trouble with their server in uh, with their service in years and years and years. It's just, it just runs perfect so thanks bite mark and uh, thanks to everybody who pitched in and it keeps the show on the air literally by you know providing me with a little bit of little bit of uh, financial incentive and those people are niall donegan michael mullen jensen jonathan m hathy georges walther dave butterbeans mark holland steve hose shelby kruver Vlad Kaisiers, Jackie Pleisch, 1i11g, Philipp Klostermann, Jaroslav Lichtblau, Fadi Mansur, IKN, Matt Jalliman, Joe Poser, Dirk Didi, David Potter, Mika, Dave Amrish, Martin, Vitautas Sadowskis, Ricky M, Drive Zero, SJ, Jonathan Edwards, Edwards, Barry Williams, Sylvia Vulcan, Mr. Amish, and Richard Gilson. Thanks to all of you. I appreciate it so much you're great um yeah that's it uh that's the episode uh for today thank you thanks for listening um uh, i'll be back next week with another episode maybe i'll throw in uh an extra episode we'll we'll, we'll see how it goes um thanks for everybody who was watching this live while i was streaming it on, streaming it on twitch it was a lot of fun um i love doing these things live and um, yeah, see you around. Thanks, thanks for listening. That this was uh, the private citizen defending your right to have something to hide. See you next week. <laughs>